memorable statement from Exodus chapter 12. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, this morning I'd like us to turn to the Gospel according to Luke, after Luke, taking a pause from our series in the Ten Commandments. This week we were due to consider the the precept form of number nine, which would be something like, Thou shalt bear true witness for your neighbor. But I felt the need to focus on this passage and certainly current events or memorable events. Luke chapter 13. Commencing with verse 1. There were present at that season, some told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Amen. May again the Lord bless this portion of His Word to our hearts. Twenty-one years ago today, at 8.46 in the morning, Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower between the 93rd and 99th floors. At 9.03 in the morning, just 17 minutes later, Flight 175 crashed into the South Tower, this time a little bit lower, between the 77th and 85th floors. Just 34 minutes later, Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon in Virginia, and roughly 125 people perished inside and outside the airplane and roughly 26 minutes later at 10.03 in the morning flight 93 crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania and they thought that that airplane was headed toward the White House and as you know just under 3,000 people and if you include people who died as a result uh, many over 3,000 perished the attack on America in 
It's been 11 years since 9-11 occurred on a Sunday and I felt that it was necessary for us to ponder this event that certainly if you were living, you're not going to forget the rest of your life. The Bible has a recurring word to remember something and even especially tragedies that take place in the life of a nation or the life of a church or the life of an individual. For instance, we have words in the Scripture like, remember that thou was a bondman in Egypt. Remember the, the, how you suffered as slaves in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 15. A little bit later in Deuteronomy, remember what the Lord did to Miriam when He caused her to contract Leprosy, and she was put out of the camp because of her rebellion for a week. We also, in Deuteronomy, remember what Amalek did to you, how they snuck up on you and, and, and killed the people on the periphery, the weakest and the oldest. And don't forget uh, what Amalek did. And the devil is one who likes to pick on the vulnerable, the weak. We have in the Psalms, Psalm 137, remember how the children of Israel, is the children of Edom took your little children and dashed them against the stones when they were um, taking the Israelites as they were escaping. And, of course, remember Jesus' words in Luke 17 to remember Lot's wife. Don't leave your heart in this world. Give your heart to the Lord. Don't merely have an outward, a, 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 an external religion. Lot's wife was fleeing from Sodom with her husband and with her daughters. And it seemed like all their hearts were no longer in Sodom. The fact that they left was a good indication that they were separating from the world. And yet... The world never left her because the angels, remember, said, don't look back. Just look forward. Don't look back where God is going to destroy the city. And her heart was so in love with what she was leaving, she looked back and the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt or a statue. And uh, perhaps people were able for years to come, pass by and say, that was a woman. And uh, you imagine the the visual reminder and the fear if people were able to pass that mummy, if, it, if you will, for years to come. You say, well, should we, not, should we remember 9-11? Well, we should, though, if you remember, people got religion for a little while in 9-11. Heard a minister say that he remembers that the pre President Bush said that on Friday that churches should also open their doors for services and keep their doors open for people. And, and he actually preached a message and it was aired over the city of Philadelphia. And he said, this is how he put it, he said, the, the, the uh, spirit of religion lasted, he thinks, about three weeks. And then people went back to normal. And I think it's good for us to remember these 
tragedies in our nation, in our lives, lest we lose the impact that, that God means to, uh, to be felt by us for the rest of our lives. You say, well, this didn't happen to the church, it happened to our nation. Well, neither did the incidents that are recorded in, in Luke happen to the church, they happened to the, the nation of Israel, and yet God has these in our, recorded in His Word as, as object lessons for you and me. Now we're told that at that season that some people approached the Lord and said that that Pilate had mingled the blood of Galileans with the sacrifices. So perhaps it had occurred that day or maybe that week, certainly recently, as if the Lord didn't wasn't aware of current events. But since the Lord was from Galilee, perhaps that was one reason why they approached him. What about your fellow Galileans? They've been slaughtered with the sacrifices by Pilate, which tells you what kind of person Pilate was. Pilate was not some wishy-washy, you know, innocent uh, leader. You can see he was, a, he was a murderer. For whatever reason, he got upset with the Galileans, uh, maybe because they weren't from his jurisdiction, or, or I'm not exactly, we're not given the reason, but can you imagine uh, taking these innocent people and slaughtering them as they would slaughter the animals at the temple. Or perhaps some people were saying, yeah, these Galileans were really bad, weren't they, versus us Jerusalemites. And the Lord surprises them by saying, I'm aware of current events. And it wasn't just because he was omniscient. But the Lord, there's, there's, there's teaching here that you and I should be aware of current events. And the Lord says, you think that, do you think that these Galileans were, were more wicked than, than those who didn't die? Do you suppose this? Is this your reasoning? And he, he surprises them, doesn't he? They were thinking he was going to say, well, yeah, they were pretty bad people. Bad things happen to bad people. But he said, no. Just because you're alive and they're dead does not mean that they are worse than you are. But except you repent, it sounds unkind to people, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And that certainly put them on their heels. And then he says, uh, by the way, what about the 18 not too long ago whom the Tower of Siloam fell and slew them? They were, the, the tower collapsed and crushed 18 people in Jerusalem. Do you think that they were worse than anyone else? I don't know if these 18 were on a scaffold trying to you know, trying to uh, fix the tower or if the people were in the tower and there was just too much uh, weight. The Bible doesn't tell us, but 18 people perished the collapse of this tower. And Jesus says, No, I tell you no, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so Jesus uses the illustration of these tragedies, these terrible accidents, 
to teach an object, an object lesson for all of us. And my thought today is just simply the word danger. 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 The Lord wants us to focus on this thought. We are in a dangerous world. And that any one of us at any time can face danger. It may not be a, a collapsing tower or a... Uh, a murderous individual, but death can come at any moment for any one of us, for any reason. And the question is not, you know, what about them? But Jesus is saying, what about me? What about you? And that's how he put it. He says, you, do you think they were worse? Nay, Ye, except ye repent. You see the they and the ye and the they and the ye? We all want to say, what about them? What about him? What about her? And the Lord is saying, no, what about you? Are you ready for the moment when your number is called? And so just three simple points. Danger is from without. Danger is from all around us. We're in a dangerous world. And that certainly is underscored, is it not? These Galileans seem to be minding their own business and maybe they were in line to, to offer sacrifices and, and Pilate just, just uh, rises up in anger and, and uh, hatred and he tells his soldiers to slaughter these Galileans and perhaps throw them on the, on the altar. Or these people were minding their own business, maybe just workers trying to fix the tower and something terrible happened and, they, and it collapsed. Or like any other tragedies that we find in the world today, how about the, the, the jogger in Memphis minding her own business? She, she had jogged for months. She was... She was capable to run in the Boston Marathon. And our judicial system fails again. He should have still been in jail. They let him out after 20 years of his 24-year sentence. And the parole board said, it wasn't us. We would not have allowed this. But in any case, you remember Eliza perished. We're living in a very dangerous world. Pilate slaughtering Galileans. Putin slaughtering Ukrainians. Pol Pot years ago slaughtering Cambodians in the killing fields. You ever read that story? Horrible. Just every day we're, we're facing... The fact that people are surprised with danger. Sad thing, you probably heard about a seven-year-old Italian girl that was just playing in a hotel courtyard in Berlin and a 440-pound statue fell upon her. Or the, the mountain-climbing woman who just was climbing up a slope and it stone fell from above and crushed her scalp. A backhoe operator in California that struck a ground 
bees' nests. Or the collapse of bridges that we have heard about, or the collapse of buildings where cars fall into hundreds of feet into the water. Or diseases of cancer, or the COVID-19, or just simply deaths that just are seemingly random or certainly unexpected. We're hearing of shark attacks, of alligators taking people, not just dogs, but people into the water. The poor mail carrier in Florida that her her little truck broke down and she was trying to find help and five brutal dogs escaped and tore her to pieces. Now am I trying to cause paranoia as we think about even the acts of God as those three people were struck by lightning or the lightning that struck the tree and went through the roots and took their lives unexpectedly. No, the Bible's teaching here is that we need to be vigilant. The Lord taught His people, if you remember, the ceremonial laws were interesting. Sometimes we we bypass those passages that tell us about the uncleanness, the unclean birds and unclean animals and unclean bugs and so on. But think about it. He had he had warnings about looking up. Always had to be careful. Look up and see is there a bird flying over your head that's going to drop or you think there's an unclean they were always vigilant. They were taught to be vigilant about birds flying over or beasts around them or or bugs flying near them or stepping on dead things. They were vigilant. They were looking all the time at dangers at Situations where they could become unclean for the day or unclean for the week, upset their business schedule, upset their family schedule. They'd have to be separated from society if they touched a dead animal. But the Lord was teaching them vigilance about holiness and about the dangers that surrounded them. I heard about a man that cut into a tree with a chainsaw and hit a a bee's nest. He survived a thousand stings and he swallowed 30 bees. How could a person survive? Just Google it. It happened recently. I don't know how many trees I've dropped. Not as many as, as many here, but I don't ever remember really looking up into a tree whether there's a bee's nest up there before I dropped a tree. That's not the smartest thing. I hope the next time, if there is a next time that I drop a tree, that I'm going to make sure there's no bees. But that man couldn't see it. It was in the tree where there can be widow makers. Riding a bike, you never know about drivers, not just the bike riders, but drivers on their cell phones or distracted. I'm not happy to walk with the traffic or ride with the traffic on a bike, you just never know. Or just jogging. You know, they're not, they're, there are quite a few unsafe drivers. And so the Lord is teaching us certainly the dangers of this world. Won't it be wonderful in the world to come? There are no accidents. 
There, there, there are no murderers. There's no death. There's no pain. There's no injury. It's hard to conceive of a world like that, isn't it? It's just a dimension that's so far above us, but you're not worried about walking in the woods. You're not worried about riding your bike anywhere. There's, there's, no, there's no distraction. There's no danger. There, there's, there's no hatred. There's no, there's no uh, tragedy. There is a religious application here. Just the fact that we recognize we're in a sinful world, I think we forget that. It's easy just to you know, grab our keys and go out to our vehicles and drive away and just go about our business. And yet, there are dangerous things out there. There's just so much that could take our lives at any moment, as we've already been, been shown. Just the injuries that are horrible. All of us need to remember that we're living in a sinful world, a dangerous world. And it can happen to any one of us because we're told here that the Galileans were just minding their own business and so were the people at Siloam. They weren't wicked people. It wasn't like, you know, again, a wicked, only wicked things happen to wicked people. But the Bible teaches bad things happen to good people as well as good things happen to good people. But the Bible teaches that good things happen to bad people. God's, God reigns upon the, the, the blasphemer's garden as well as his Christian neighbor's garden. God is good to all. The point isn't that God's goodness means that I must be right with God, but we need to look at it like Romans says, if God's been good to me, then may it lead me to repentance. I don't deserve it. And that's the whole point of Jesus' teaching here. And it doesn't sound kind, but it's kind of the Lord to tell the truth so that people will think about their souls and really prepare for eternity. You know what he's really saying in this story? When he says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He's saying, you need to realize that it's God's grace that, that you receive any mercies whatsoever. Some man named Murray, people asked a definition of grace. And you know, everybody gives the God's um, redemption at Christ's expense. Right. But you know what the man said? And he's right. He says, anything outside of hell is God's grace. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Anything you receive outside of hell is God's grace. He's not saying that the people that died didn't perish. He, you know what he, he says? He doesn't say, except you repent, you'll die like they do. You'll die in accidents, you'll, be, you'll die at the hands of a murderer. He uses the word perish. So he's not denying that some. He's not saying all of them perished. He is, if you read between the lines, he's saying that some of them did perish. Not just that they died. It's not just a, a synonym for died. It's a synonym for they were damned. They went to hell. And he's saying to them, 
It's not, he's not saying you better watch out or you're going to be under a collapsed tower or you're going to be uh, slain by a murderer. He's saying if you don't repent, you're going to perish. You're going to die unprepared. You're going to find a God that is no longer gracious. And you know, people say, isn't he unkind? No. Is it unkind if, if, if someone is running toward a cliff, not knowing that it's there, and someone runs after him and jumps on him and tackles him right before they, they fall over to their death? Is that unkind? Jesus is saying, look, you've got to wake up. It's not your goodness. It's God's goodness. It's God's grace alone. It's Jesus. And and remember, the one saying that suffered at the hands of Pilate. The one who's saying this was arrested by wicked people. He was murdered. A tower didn't fall on Jesus, but he was murdered by wicked people, just like those Galileans. And so Jesus is not an unkind person who's unfeeling. He's saying, look, everybody's going to die. It's a point on the man wants to die. Whether it's by accident, by the hands of a murderer, by a disease, by some, by a shark attack, we're all going to die. And aren't you glad the Lord doesn't tell us how? I don't want to know how. Let's not pry into things we ought not to pry into. Is there anyone that's ever been told or ever known how he's going to die? You and I know one person. Jesus said to his disciples, the Son of Man will be taken into the hands of wicked men and they will crucify Him. There's danger in this world. Let's remember that and let's keep that, factor that in every single day. I'm not saying don't enjoy your coffee and don't enjoy your comforts. But I'm saying let's remember we're not in heaven and that we need to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world and be ready if someone does point a barrel in our face what will we say how will we react will we be able to say something like are you threatening me with heaven sir if you pull that trigger you'll be a murderer and murderers will have their if I have the time, murderers will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Please. I'm ready to die, but you're not. Can we say if we're in an airplane that's been taken over by hijackers? Can we call home if we have the opportunity like so many did 21 years ago? Sad and happy things. One boy, one son called and his father was so upset when he heard that he was on the airplane. He said, Dad, I think they're going to crash the plane in Chicago. But don't worry, it'll be fast. It's home, doesn't it? And it was. It's fast. 
But oh, to be able to say, I'm ready to go. To be able to have your senses in those few minutes that are left, to be able to say to the fellow, your fellow passengers, look, we need to be ready. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the dead. Are, you, are your sins forgiven? It's like the man that was swimming in the North Atlantic waters. We're told of an evangelist that was going, to up, going up to the people that were still in the water and, and preaching one at a time before he went underneath the waters and into eternity. Isn't it wonderful to think about that happening? After the, the sinking of the Titanic, somebody was in that, those frigid waters preaching the Gospel. And won't it be wonderful to meet someone in heaven one day? And How did you get saved? I was a passenger on the Titanic. And I, those, that water was cold. And I was so afraid of dying. And this man swims up to me. And he had blue lips just like I did. And in quivering lips, he told me about Jesus Christ. Here I am. Just like the thief on the cross saved a yard from hell. But let's not just look outside and around us. Secondly, there's danger from within. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's your sin. Don't look about, don't wonder whether the Galileans were sinners or whether the, the workers on the tower or the people in the tower were sinners. You are a sinner. Jesus wouldn't say, we. You are a sinner. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Were the Galileans sinners? Indeed. Were the people at the tower sinners? Yes. But what about you and I, Americans? New Yorkers, Buffalonians, except we repent. But you don't understand. I'm religious. I say my prayers. and I've come from a good family. I've never murdered anybody. Except we repent. It's not by our works of righteousness that we're saved. But according to God's mercies. This is a word of rebuke from Jesus to repent. It's a word that should bring conviction, but thank God, it's a word of remedy. It's a kind word from the Lord. It's the doctor saying, if you don't have this surgery and I don't cut out this tumor, you're going to die quickly. Jesus is taking the scalpel to the tumor. He's saying, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What about all those 3,000 people who died on 9-11? And the word of Jesus is the same to you and me, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, undoubtedly, there were Christians that died in, on 9-11. But undoubtedly, there were many lost people that died on 9-11. They weren't ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for an accident? Are you ready for a barrel? Are you ready for a disease? What if tomorrow the doctor says to me, you have terminal cancer? Our sister Debbie Talbert up in Edmonton, 
Tanya showed me that I don't know if this is an indication but they had a gathering with their family with holiday um, festivities. Perhaps they're saying she may not even make it to Christmas time. And it's only September. But she's ready to go. Are you are we ready to go? Jesus didn't say you're going to be annihilated, you're going to be reincarnated, don't worry. He says you'll perish if you die. And you know, you think, what about the beloved disciple John? Maybe he has a kinder word to say. What's John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not, same word, should not perish. John believed that people who did not believe in God's only begotten Son would perish. John the Baptist that believeth on Christ he will, perish, will not perish. He that believes will not be condemned. And Jesus uses this parable. This parable is, 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 is continuing His thoughts. The parable is about people like a fig tree planted in the vineyard, a very good spot. It wasn't unusual for people to plant a a fig tree or some fruit-bearing tree in a vineyard because the ground was, was fertile and it was just they were able to take care of it. Just like the Lord said of Israel, but not just of Israel, He Israel was planted, is, is likened to a fig tree planted, a vineyard in the book of Isaiah. But you and I have been planted here. I mean, in this world, what a privilege. With all of our senses, and, and God's given us a soul that lives somewhere forever. We're not beasts that just live for a time and that's it. How God has been so good to us and to give us the gospel. But here's this fig tree that for three years was not bearing fruit. And the, and the Lord of the vineyard says, cut it down. That's not pleasant language. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And you and I, if we're not believing on Christ, we are cumbering the ground that God gave us. So many are using the ground that God gave them to curse His name or just simply to forget Him. You know, the Bible says just to, just to forget God is damning. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That's all it takes. Well, I, I don't hate Him. I, 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 don't, I don't murder. I don't steal. When's the last time you remembered Him? On purpose. You loved Him. But we can say with Jeremiah, it's not just out there, but Lord, we have forgotten you days without number. How many nights have we prayed before we laid our heads in the pillow? Or prayed as we woke up in the morning? How many days have we skipped our times with the Lord? May the Lord forgive us for forgetting Him. Sin is within, not just without. Cut down. Are we fruit-bearing? 
This is a word not only to unbelievers, but believers. The Lord uses an illustration of us being branches in union with Christ. And He said, if we're not bearing fruit, He lifts us up so that we get the sunlight and we'll begin to be fruit-bearing. But when we're not bearing fruit or sufficient fruit, it's time for believers to go as well. Are we fruit-bearing? But sanctification, which is what fruit-bearing is, is indicative of life. If a tree isn't growing, if it's not bearing fruit, it's not fulfilling its purpose. The word cut down is not a pleasant picture. It's used in Matthew 3, verse 10, hewn down and cast into the fire. In chapter 5, the offending part, he says, if your hand offends thee, cut it off. Don't let any sin rob you from eternal life. If, 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 if lust keeps you from repenting, pray that God would take away the lustful heart. As it were, cut out your heart. If it's stealing, cut off your hand. He's obviously using, using uh, language that is, what would we call that, a hyperbole. It's not telling you to cut your hand off or cut your eye out. But John said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Interesting, Peter uses the same word. He says, husbands, if you don't dwell with your wives according to knowledge, your prayers are going to be hindered. The word hindered is the same word cut down, cut off. God's going to cut off your prayer from His presence. He's not going to listen if we are sinning in our homes against our spouses. But there are horrible verses that should get our attention. Their foot shall slide in due time. Be sure your sin will find you out. Remember, Jonathan Edwards just simply read this sermon. It was called, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And that's what Jesus is saying by the word perished. When someone perishes, he's immediately in the hands of an angry God. Grace is over with. Goodness is no more. We need to hear these words. But remember, the one again who, who, who warned people, he's the. Think of this. Jonathan Edwards preached on sinners in the hands of an angry God. When Jesus was arrested by wicked people, he's the God in the hands of angry sinners. Jesus was God in the hands of angry sinners so that you and I would be saved. But if any of those sinners die without Christ, they understood what it was to be sinners and now in the hands of an angry God. We read together, and I saw a great white throne. That should, to read that should be like goose pimples down your spine. Did we just read that so casually? Did, did you feel those warnings? Did you feel that? And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. 
and another book was opened, which was the book of life. They were judged every man according to his works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But notice the last word, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Every one of us should memorize those words. Isn't it interesting how John, I wonder who he saw when he said, small and great. He didn't recognize the faces of the small, apparently, or maybe he saw some that he knew that were slaves, galley slaves. I don't know. What's he saying? I saw the great. Who did he see? He didn't name it. We're not to know that yet. Because God saves a yard from hell. Even the wickedest of people. Manasseh sacrifices children into the fiery arms of false gods. Whoever expected him to turn to the Lord in prayer and to be regenerated. It's possible for a murderer to be saved. While there's breath, there's hope. But once there's no more breath and hope there's gone, then they perish. There's, there's danger within. I'm a sinner. And sin will damn my soul if, if it's not atoned for in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm an angel, a fallen angel, I have no hope. And I don't want hope. But Jesus is not the God-angel. He's a God-man. And what blessed love and hope there is for a, a sinning man or woman. And man, it's suicide to live another Second, without Jesus Christ when we're offered so great a salvation. Could I say thirdly, not just again that there's, there's danger without and there's danger within, but again, there's danger from above. That's the point that I've been making. Beware of God. Beware of dying and seeing God without a mediator between you and the Lord. Everlasting death, the second death, a horrible statement it is. Lord, see there's hope. What, is, what, is, what does the, uh, the, the dresser say? And you know who the dresser is probably speaking of? The Lord Jesus Himself. What is he saying to the murderers that put their hands upon him? Put manure around him. Give him another chance. The soldiers that are dicing for his garment, give him another chance, Lord. Don't cut him down. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For you and me, we've not borne fruit. We haven't repented. We're not saved. What is Jesus saying? Cut us down. Father, give them another opportunity. Send another gospeler. Let them find a gospel track. 
bring to their mind verses that their mother taught them when they were little. Please don't cut him down just yet. Is that how you and I are praying for our lost loved ones? They've had their opportunities, but so did you and me. Lord, don't yet cut them down. Please, fertilize. Water the seed. Let it bring forth fruit. Let them bear the fruit of repentance and faith. Let them believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they too will be saved like you saved you saved me. And then we can say safety and not danger anymore. Safe in the arms of Jesus. I love the word accept. There's hope there, isn't there? Accept. We focus on you repent, but accept. He's saying there's hope. The word has the word but in between. But you won't perish if you repent is the idea. There's hope. I'm here to save. Have you and I repented of our sins? Have we asked God to forgive us? If we have we labeled it what God is, Lord, I'm a liar, I'm covetous. I'm a murderer. I've hated people. I haven't knifed them. I haven't shot them. But my tongue has been a knife. I'm a, I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I'm a Sabbath breaker. I'm a sinner. Have we been honest before God? Or have we just tried to paint our sins as just not so bad? A little bit bad. We need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who would suffer a tragic death just like the Galileans at the hands of Pilate. The one who would take our sins upon him and be nailed to the tree and make atonement for us. Now we can say if we believe on Christ we'll be in the hands of an atoned and an atoning God. That's to be safe. It's safe in an unsafe world to be in the arms of Jesus. Are you in the arms of Jesus? You'll be, you're safe. Though someone slaughters us, though disease takes us, though an accident removes us, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Safe in the arms of Jesus.